Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Business Leaders Radio. Now, here's your host, John Ray. And hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Business Leaders Radio. Uh, folks, we got a great one today on imposter syndrome. I've been looking forward to, but before we get to uh, Chris Kelso and, and uh, talking about that subject, I want to give a shout out to the folks at Renaissance Bank. If you are in the middle of second round PPP and you're a little tired of impersonal uh, issues with your bank, they're too big for you. They've got computer-generated voices on phones with phone trees, and you never can get to a live person. Uh, well, Renaissance, I have found personally, this, I underline that, is uh, big enough to handle your own needs for your business, but small enough to do it personally. So if you are in the southeast uh, footprint, and uh, they've got some 200 offices around the southeast ready to serve you, go to renaissancebank.com and find your local office, uh, pick up the phone and give them a call. And you'll find that uh, you'll be able to book an appointment with a real person at a real office and uh, go check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Chris Kelso. And Chris is with the Kelso Group. Chris, welcome. Hey, John. Hey, great to be here. Hey, great to have you. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about you and how you're serving the market out there. What's the Kelso Group up to? Sure. So I am a two-time entrepreneur. Uh, I founded and run two different companies over the last decade and a half. But for the past three and a half to four years, I've been working independently as an executive coach and doing leadership development work, one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, primarily with owners uh, of small businesses. So my typical client is the owner operator of a, of a company between two and 25 million in revenue. Okay. That great background. That does not sound like the kind of guy that would write a book about the imposter syndrome. It seems like you would have that <laughs> licked. Um, you would but, think. but yeah, but uh, you, I, I mean, and I loved your approach because you come at it with your own background and your own experiences about this important issue that so many, uh, so many of us are affected by. So talk about the background you bring to it. Yeah. So the book just came out last week. It's called overcoming the imposter. And it is a, a really open and honest look at imposter syndrome and in particular, how it affects entrepreneurs, innovators, and people that are pushing the envelope and uh, challenging things and 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 doing great things. One of the one of the common misconceptions about uh, imposter syndrome or misunderstandings is the fact that it is more prevalent among high achievers. The more ambitious you are, the more likely you are to struggle with an internal feeling of maybe I'm not what everybody thinks I am. And that's sort of the underlying fear of imposter syndrome is, boy, everybody seems to think that I'm doing really great, but deep down inside, I know that there's a lot of cracks beneath the surface and there's a lot of failures and mistakes on the way to success. And maybe I'm just not really what everyone thinks I am. Maybe I'm a little bit of an imposter. And social media really blows this up for people, right? I mean, because they see uh, everyone else 
it is so successful. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, yeah. right. And, uh, how, how do I measure up? Because all I see in myself are my, my issues. Right. Um, and all I see yes. from everyone else is their successes. So it really expands this imposter syndrome in myself. Yeah. One of, one of the key concepts that I talk about in the book is what I call the comparison trap. And that is the basic idea that you you never know anyone else's full and complete story. You only see the parts of their story that they're willing to tell you. And so often when we compare ourselves to another entrepreneur, another business owner, or another successful person that we see and admire, we're comparing the reality of our own lives to a very polished and filtered version of their life and, and their career. And and that's an unfair comparison to us. And it can make us feel uh, like we're inadequate or like we can't quite measure up to what we're seeing from people around us. And you're right, John, that social media absolutely exacerbates that problem um, because we, we literally have filters on our social media and, you know, people post exactly what they want to post and they frame it and spin it the way they want to spin it. Um, and, you know, I'm a user of social media. I get some, I get a lot of value out of it and connecting people and building relationships is great, but you have to know what you're dealing with and not allow yourself to fall into that trap of seeing everyone uh, in a light that is simply not reality. And then judging yourself against that uh, false image of everyone else's life. Now the name of your book is overcoming the imposter. Yeah. You call the voice in your head, the imposter. Explain yes. more about that. Yeah. So people who struggle with imposter syndrome have this inner critic, this voice inside that is always sort of nagging and, and, and telling them that they're not what people think they are, or that they don't know what they're doing, or that they're just making it up as they go, which by the way, many of us are most of the time making it up as we go. We're, we're learning on the fly and figuring it out and that's okay. But we have this, this inner critic and, you know, that, that voice has been called the voice of the saboteur, self-doubt, the inner critic, many things. And I, I started referring to that voice as the imposter, not necessarily because it's trying to convince me I'm an imposter, but to remind myself that that voice is not real. There's not an actual person there looking over my shoulder and breathing down my neck saying, you're not going to make it. You're not doing the right things. That's, it's just a psychological trap. And so the voice is the imposter, not me. And so that's where the book is about overcoming that voice, that inner critic, and uh, learning to to live and work with confidence and shed your fear fear of failure, and uh, and get past those uh, those feelings of self doubt that we all deal with at time to time. Now, you mentioned your background. You mentioned your own experiences. I wish you'd talk a little bit about that. Um, only because, you know, that transparency and that those, the, those experiences are helpful uh, yeah. to folks and it helps them open up themselves. Sure. So I, I uh, was a software developer for many years, uh, did a lot in the healthcare industry. And in 2007, at age 31, I stepped out and started my own business. And I had no business experience um, and really no business training. I didn't even have a college degree. I still don't have a college degree. Uh, never went to college. And there's a whole another long story about that part of my life. But uh, 
but I, I went to a bookstore and I bought a stack of books on everything I thought I needed to know to run a consulting firm, which is what I was starting. Uh, things like writing contracts and doing finances and scoping a consulting engagement and some of the sales and marketing things that I needed to know. And I just started reading them all and I founded a company and got to work. And so th- for many years, I had this, this internal fear that there was some key concept or some important thing that was taught on day two of business school that I was just going to miss. And one day it was going to bite me, right? It was just really going to going to jump up and suddenly everybody would go, Chris, you, you don't know that you haven't heard of that. And, and so I, I carried around this persistent fear of being exposed as not legitimate or not qualified to be an entrepreneur. Now, years later, I was invited to mentor entrepreneurs and to work with, you know, startups and people. And, and I figured out that I had a lot to offer them from the years of experience that I had developed and, and that my, um, my actual real world experience running businesses provided a lot more value than some people's education. And, I, and I'm not knocking education, but there's a lot of ways to learn. And I had learned uh, by a different path. And so um, I had to learn to build the confidence in my abilities and my track record, rather than looking back and relying on a diploma and a graduation to say that I'm qualified to do what I do. Folks, we're here chatting with Chris Kelso, and Chris is uh, uh, owner of his own firm, the Kelso Group, but he's also the author of a newly released book uh, called Overcoming the Imposter. Um, Chris, you know, I'm I'm curious about, given your uh, background and experience, and thank you for sharing that, you know, what, what concept or tip from the book really was most impactful for you in your journey? You know, I, th- I think one of the most impactful realizations I had during the process of studying and writing the book was when I looked back at my career, my own history, some of the moments that I was the most insecure, the most fearful, the most uh, nervous about my credibility or my abilities were, were some of the most important and pivotal moments in my career. Because usually when I felt insecure, it was because I was pushing the boundaries. I was learning something new. I was in the presence of people who intimidated me, but from whom I could learn a lot. And so you know, as I, in in particular, as I started to gather stories and catalog some of my experiences for this book, I began to look and realize that, wow, the times I was, the times that that imposter was speaking to me the loudest, those were the moments that something great was about to happen. And had I stepped back instead of leaning forward, had I given into those fears, I could have missed out on so, so much. And so I really learned to number one, not fear that voice or, and, and to not necessarily want it to go away, but to see it as a guidepost, to see it as a sign that either I'm growing or something really powerful is on the horizon and it's about to happen. And I need to keep pushing forward through those fears. Mm, I love that. Um, now, you, you, imposter syndrome affects different people, different ways. Um, maybe you can talk about 
the uh, the imposter syndrome thought, let's say, or action that people struggle with the most? What do you see out there? Yeah, it does affect people different ways. Um, you know, the thing that that caused me to be insecure, which was uh, a lot of it was around my education or, or lack of a formal education, that that may not be the thing that another person experiences uh, in their own self-doubt. You know, that that imposter voice, uh, that inner critic um, is very personal and it knows our individual fears and worries. And so, in fact, what I've discovered is what, what one person sees as their weakness, another person can see as their crutch or the thing that has sustained them and that proves that they're not worthy because they just got by on their education, for instance. And so it's, though it's a very common experience, it's unique and personal to each person. And to, to answer your question, you know, one of the things that I've seen people really struggle with uh, most frequently around imposter syndrome is simply being able to say the phrase, I don't know. When you, when you have imposter syndrome, and in particularly when you are in a position where people are looking to you as the expert, and they're looking to you to have the answers, and you don't feel like you have the answers, it's so hard to just simply acknowledge, I don't know what the answer is. And I've, I've been guilty of this myself many times where somebody would look to me for something, and I would just start talking and try to sound smart or sound like I knew. And I'm hoping I'm going to find my way to the answer if I just start talking. It's, it's sort of, I think Michael Scott from The Office tried that approach once. He said, I just start talking and and see where it ends up. And and rarely does it really get you where you want to be. And rarely does it build your credibility or build trust with people. But if we would simply start by acknowledging when we don't know something, then we can talk about theories, we can talk about ideas, we can brainstorm openly, and we can really explore the possibilities without the pressure of being right. And and what I've discovered as I've put some of these things into practice over the years is that people respect you a lot more when you are really honest about what you do and don't know than they do when you pretend to always have the answers and always be the expert. People respect leaders who are authentic and vulnerable much more than leaders who pretend to be perfect, pretend to have it all together. Because most of the time, let's face it, people can see right through that. They know when you're making stuff up. They know when you're, you know, when you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes most of the time. So, um, so just that, that simple phrase of saying, being willing to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but let's figure it out. I bet we can figure this out together. I bet we can find that answer. I bet we know someone who knows that answer. I bet we can work together to solve that problem. I don't have the answer right this moment, but we can get there. That's a, it's a huge swing from the imposter behavior of trying to look like and trying to act like the expert. Folks, we're here chatting with Chris Kelso and he's the author of overcoming the imposter. Uh, you know, Chris, we we're talking about business owners and entrepreneurs, and I want to talk more about uh, directly to them. But you know, we've got a lot of folks out there that are looking for jobs that are in job transition, and they're subject to the imposter syndrome as well, right? Let's talk to them. Yeah, you know, one of the things that has been so great as I've as I've released this book and it's gotten into people's hands is 
I wrote it largely to and about entrepreneurs because that's the people that I work with. That's my tribe. And that's who I, that's who I've experienced it with and seen it among so much. But the response from non-entrepreneurs has been incredible. I have had fighter pilots, school teachers, corporate executives. I mean, just people from all different walks of life reach out to me and say, Chris, this you, you think you're speaking to entrepreneurs, but you're speaking to everyone. We all experience this. I and my peers feel this. And this needs to, uh, this, this needs to be in the hands of anyone who works, who has a job, or who really aspires to accomplish something great in their life. Uh, this is valuable. So it, it has been really uh, fun and enjoyable to see the impact on so many people and, and to have so many people say, this has been truly, truly helpful to me and helped me change my thinking about my own self-confidence. So let's talk about entrepreneurs and business owners back to them. Why are, what, what is it about being a business owner uh, that makes uh, you particularly susceptible to the imposter syndrome? So I think there's, I think there's a couple of things about entrepreneurship that really feeds the syndrome. Number one, entrepreneurs by nature are the types of people that are willing to step out and take a risk. And so that often puts us in uncharted territory. It puts us in a position where we're trying things, we're experimenting, uh, we're failing some of the time, and we're learning along the way. And we really truly are often making it up as we go because entrepreneurs are often in a position to be creating something that didn't exist before. And the second thing that happens is entrepreneurs are put on a pedestal to some degree in our society. They're, they're celebrated as superheroes, right? It's very in vogue now to be an entrepreneur and we get a lot of uh, visibility and awards and accolades. And, um, and a CEO named Toby Thomas used a uh, illustration that has become my go-to description of entrepreneurship. He said, he said, an entrepreneur is like a man riding on a lion. Everyone around him is saying, wow, that guy is so brave. That's amazing. I wish I had the guts to do what that guy's doing. And all the while, the man on the lion is saying, how in the world did I get on this lion? And how do I keep from being eaten by it? <laughs> right. right. I love that. And, and that rings so true to me because many of the times that I've been given accolades and awards and high fives for, for the things I've done as an entrepreneur, I'm not usually celebrating, I'm usually freaking out just a little bit on the inside, right? Mm. What, what, what looks to others like strength and resolve and boldness feels to me like a series of near catastrophes. So, so when you're among other entrepreneurs and you feel like, man, I'm just barely getting by, I'm hanging on the lion, trying not to get eaten. And everyone else seems to, to really know what they're doing. And, and, the third thing I think that plays into this is that entrepreneurs are always, almost always in sales mode. If you're an entrepreneur, you're selling not only your customers on your product or your service and what you've got to do, but you're selling potential employer employees that you want to join your team. You're selling potentially investors that you want to you know, put money into your venture. You're, you're always selling everybody on your dream and your vision of what is possible with this venture that you have going on. And so... You combine those things and entrepreneurs get together and everyone's in sales mode and everybody's putting the very best version of themselves out there. And yet all of them, to some degree, feel like that man on the line going, boy, I'm just hanging on for dear life. 
and everyone else seems to really know what they're doing and have it together. And so then we're back to the comparison trap that we talked about earlier. And entrepreneurs really can fall into the comparison trap, um, even hanging around other entrepreneurs if they don't have honesty and vulnerability in those conversations. Now, Chris, I would suspect that part of what's going on with business owners and entrepreneurs is they come into a business with a great idea and they underestimate all the different aspects of running a business and, and that they, they get thrown into things that they have no idea what to do about, uh, you know, how, how to, how, how to address the problem. Um, talk more about that. Definitely. Um, entrepreneurs, depending on the type of company you're starting and the type of entrepreneur you are, you know, a lot of people start with a, a skill or a trade or an ability, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a photographer and I want to build a business around that. So I'm going to go start a photography business or I'm an accountant or I'm, you know, a marketing person, whatever. And they suddenly realize that they, that, that the thing they deliver, the thing they do for clients, that thing that they enjoy and that they're so good at is a tiny little slice of this entity that they've started because now they have to be that and they have to be an executive and a salesperson and a marketing person and a finance person. And they, they have all these other hats that they have to wear. So I talk with my clients a lot about the different hats that you wear as an entrepreneur, particularly early on in the business, when you don't have a lot of extra people, you don't have a lot of, uh, of those experts around you. Um, you wear a lot of hats and some of them you're great at, and some of them you're just not, and you're having to, some of them you're doing for the very first time and they're, they're a necessity, but you've got to figure it out. And that's sort of part of the ride of, of entrepreneurship. The, the entrepreneurial roller coaster is there's parts of it you're good at and parts of it you're not. And, and you've got to sort those out and survive long enough to grow the business to the point you can replace yourself in those areas that you're, that you're not great or that you don't enjoy doing. And so that part of the journey uh, can be really tough because uh, entrepreneurship feels like failure after failure after failure with an occasional success thrown in there to keep you going. And you have to, you have to enjoy and ride those successes long enough to keep learning through the failures. And I have a mantra that I, that I, I talk about in the book and I say it a lot is failure is only failure if you learn nothing. And so the key is there's going to be failure. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be things that you do really, really poorly. And you just look back and think I'm horrible, but as long as you're learning something along the way, you're not failing, you're moving forward, you're taking steps and failures are part of the road to success. They're part of the path. They're the stepping stones that you use to get there. And you have to be able to continue to push through those things. What What is the kind of environment that we need to avoid that feeds imposter syndrome? So one of the keys to overcoming imposter syndrome is uh, the ability to be vulnerable, to be open and honest with others, to, to, to have trusting relationships where you can admit your weaknesses and your fears and your insecurities. Um, one of the great ironies, I think, of imposter syndrome is that imposter syndrome will cause you to fear vulnerability. It'll cause you to fear being exposed. And yet, vulnerability is the cure. It is exactly the thing you need. 
Um, so it's sort of like, you know, if you were on fire and scared of water at the same time, it's the, the, the water is what you need to put out the fire. And, and that's one of the things that makes imposter syndrome so challenging and difficult to get over just on your own is you, you, you're afraid of, uh, of opening up to folks and talking to others. And so the type of environment that makes imposter syndrome difficult to overcome is an environment that punishes vulnerability. Uh, if, if, if a company has built a culture where it is not okay to admit a weakness, where it is not okay to admit uh, that you failed at something, that you messed up, that you made a mistake, that you, you know, that you had a learning experience. Um, if it's not okay to do those things, if you're punished or ridiculed or, uh, or mocked for those kind of vulnerable statements, then it will be very difficult. You, you will likely struggle with imposter syndrome and it will be difficult to overcome it on your own in that kind of environment. So leaders can work to create the type of environment where people can admit, hey, I have imposter syndrome, I struggle in these ways, and that they're given freedom to talk about and, and admit, acknowledge those uh, weaknesses and failures and to learn together um, so that they can realize that we're all just, we're all on a learning journey, all of us. Every one of us is on a, a lifelong journey of making mistakes, learning from them, getting better. That's the road to success. Um, and, and so the, the more we can do to help each other realize that and encourage each other on the journey, uh, the, the easier we can overcome this. Uh, folks, we're here chatting uh, about uh, overcoming the imposter. Uh, it's, it's in a new book on the imposter syndrome. Uh, written by Chris Kelso, who's joined us here on Business Leaders Radio. Chris, you know, I'm, uh, I want to read your book. I want to solve my imposter syndrome problem that I have. Uh, is that going to help me go away? Is it like taking a pill? I mean, I, I just need to read your book, right? Uh, <laughs> if only, uh, <laughs> yes. Read the book and you'll be done. Right. Read it once and, and, and it's over. You know, Imposter syndrome is one of those things that um, you can definitely overcome it in certain areas of your life and get to a place where you have true confidence. You don't worry, but most people don't fully overcome it everywhere in their life. And, and what I mean by that is every time you attempt something new, every time you you branch out or you go into an area where you're inexperienced or where you're learning and if you're like me, I'm a lifelong learner. I will always be learning something, doing something different, um, pushing myself, stretching myself. And so I'm always going to have some area of my life where that voice of the inner critic has a door, has, has, a, has a, a window that he can slide into and, and has an avenue to say, hey, Chris, you know, you, you may have had it over there. You may know what you're doing in that area, but over here, you're, you're just, you're just the, the rookie. You're just faking it. You're just, you're, you may not be up to this task. Yeah, you were up to those tasks, but you're not up to this one. And so it, it's not a one and done. You just figure out how to beat imposter syndrome and then you wipe your hands and move on. It's more of a, a set of disciplines that you build in your life uh, to help you when that voice creeps up, you can immediately counteract it with um, with the right kind of information, with the right kind of knowledge, you can use it to your advantage, as I said earlier, of you know, looking at it as a sign that you're doing something great. When I hear the voice say, Chris, you're about to fake something, 
I think, okay, I'm, I'm about to learn something. I'm about to accomplish something. I'm about to do something that I've never done before. And it may feel like I'm faking it or making it up. What I'm actually doing is learning and developing expertise. And I'm on that road. So you don't ever totally eliminate it. You learn how to manage it and how to harness it and actually use it to your advantage. And then when it creeps up, you just, you just smack it down again. You silence that voice by taking all its ammunition away by saying, I'm going to be open and honest and vulnerable. And the fear of failure is just not going to hold me back. Now, Chris, in the book, you talk about self-confidence. You talk about self-efficacy. Yes. Uh, Dive into those concepts. Yeah, I learned this from one of my own executive coaches, um, and I've had some great ones over the years. Um, And uh, his name was Roger Hall. And he, he talked to me during a particularly difficult time in my career about self-esteem uh, and self-confidence um, is largely a feeling. It's an emotion, right? I, self-esteem is I feel good about myself. I feel confident. I think I can do this. Self-efficacy, on the other hand, is a honest, fact-based assessment of your track record. And the big aha for me was when I was I was attempting to do something I'd never done before and my coach said to me, Chris, it's not about whether you've done this before. It's about looking at your history of all the things you've done for the first time and succeeded. All the times you've encountered something new and figured it out, you learned, you adapted, and you overcame. And believing in yourself because you have a track record of doing new things, not just because you have a track record of doing this particular thing you're trying to do. So that is a self-efficacy approach. It's looking back and saying, I am a person who can tackle new new obstacles. I'm I'm a person who can take on new challenges. I'm a person who can move into a new industry, who can change fields, who can go from, you know, in, in, in my personal experience, I went from being an IT consultant and very technology focused to doing leadership and management and now coaching executives, coaching owners of businesses. And that was a transition that required me to believe that I wasn't just a technology guy, that I could build expertise in a different domain over a period of time. And uh, so that's a self-efficacy approach saying, I did that, which means I can do this. Um, And I've done many, many things for the first time and figured out a way to succeed. So I can be successful at this new thing that may scare me to death. Let's uh, shift gears just briefly because uh, we we definitely want to have plugged your book and and, and I'm delighted we've done that. But uh, we also for those that have heard, oh, Chris does uh, executive coaching. Let's talk just briefly a little bit about that and how you work with with clients there. Yeah, I work a couple of different ways. Um, a lot of my clients I work one on one as their coach, so we meet once or twice a month. Uh, to, you know, tackle obstacles, to talk about their goals and their challenges. A lot of it is this mental game of figuring out, you know, what are the obstacles that are holding me back that are keeping me from doing the things that I need to do? Is it awareness? Is it fear? Is it not having the right resources? Is it, uh, you know, is it even just not knowing which of those it is and taking the first steps? And so I work a lot with business owners um, because that's my domain and that's where I've got a lot of experience Um, I also work with leadership teams, an entire leadership team of a company, and I will take them through a process to, uh, to set a clear vision for the company, to establish goals and priorities, 
to eliminate distractions and execute. And then, and I end up facilitating quarterly and annual offsite sessions with leadership teams, you know, where I'm there to bring the structure and the framework so they can work on their business, get out of the day-to-day of their business and work on the business on a regular basis. And then the last way that I work is with uh, large audiences. I'm a keynote speaker. Uh, so I, I do private corporate events and leadership conferences and things like that. So I work one-on-one and with small teams, typically a leadership team, and then also with large audiences like your listener base on this program. Great work here from Chris Kelso. He's the author of Overcoming the Imposter um, and uh, owner of his own firm, the Kelso Group. I'm glad you mentioned uh, leadership teams because there's uh, leaders of organizations have a big stake in reducing the imposter syndrome among their direct reports among their employees, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the leadership team sets the tone and the culture for the organization and what you get out of your people a lot of times is just as dependent on the environment and the culture you create as it is their particular skill sets and the talents that they bring to the table. So there, there's a lot, uh, dependent on the leadership team and that tone that they set. And, and as we talked about earlier, you can create an environment where, um, where people's insecurities and weaknesses are punished and they are taught to hide them and fear them and try to avoid them. Or you can create an environment where people are willing to come out and say, Hey, I'm really confident in 80% of my job, but this 20% I'm struggling and I need some help. And, and that's what you want because that's how we get better. And uh, so creating that sort of culture is really important. And that starts with the leadership. Every, one of the reasons that I went from IT consulting 10 years ago to leadership and, and working at the very top is I saw that we could do a great job in an IT department. And if the leadership of the company wasn't healthy, all of our great work would eventually erode and, and be worn away by a bad culture. And I remember a day I sat in my office and I said, one day I'm going to work at the very top. I want to work with owners and leaders of businesses. And it's been a multi-year journey of working my way to that place so that I can affect change at the top of an organization and help them build the kind of cultures where the great technology work and other kinds of work, marketing and, and finance and all of those things that great experts can bring where that work actually can be maximized and, and see its full potential because it's not eroded by bad leadership at the top. Now you, you and I did not talk about this uh, before we came on the air, but I, I'm got to expect that part of the imposter syndrome you had to address was actually the whole concept of writing a book, right? And there's a whole bunch of folks out there that, uh, maybe have a book in them and are scared half to death because the imposter is speaking to them to use your yes. way of putting it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that aspect of it. It, it, it really was a, a hurdle that I had to get over. I, I, I have uh, been told for years that I should write a book and I just never thought of myself as an author. I never thought of myself as someone who could, uh, crank out that much content in a short period of time. And, uh, and, and it was funny because even as I started the project and I, I wanted to write this book on imposter syndrome, I had imposter syndrome about my qualification to write a book on imposter syndrome. 
And the fact that I felt imposter syndrome about writing made me feel like I wasn't qualified to write about imposter syndrome. Like <laughs> if I'm still struggling with it, then I'm not able, then I can't be credible to tell you how to deal with it. And so, you know, I, I had to come to the conclusion that once again, I'm doing something new. This, this, I may be great at leading teams and running businesses and, and coaching leaders, but writing a book was a whole new uh, experience for me. And that voice was able to creep up and say, Chris, you, you're not up to it. You're just not a writer. You're just not an author. You're not, you, you know, I know a lot of best-selling authors and I don't feel like I can generate the quality and quantity of content that they can. But, um, but what I did was I surrounded myself with a great team. I found a great publisher who believed in the, in the, the work and the value of this content. I hired a writing coach who masterfully guided me through the process and uh, really provided the encouragement I need, helped me get unstuck. And so one of the principles in the book um, is about building community and surrounding yourself with the right people. And that's exactly what I did to, uh, to get myself through this writing process. And I have to say, I'm immensely proud of the, uh, the work, the, the product, the way it turned out. And, uh, and the fact that I, that I did it, that I produced this. It's, um, it's a, it's a great accomplishment. And, uh, and I had to push through a lot to get there. So yes, if, if, if you have listeners that are thinking of writing a book, um, you can do it. It can be done. If you just try to sit alone in your room and crank out a whole book and you've never done that before, your percentage of failure is probably pretty high. But if you get some help, get the right people around you, talk to experts and uh, put a team together who can help guide you through that process. It is absolutely accomplishable if you want to do it. Great words here from Chris Kelso. He's the author of Overcoming the Imposter. Um, Chris, this has been great. And, uh, you know, I know that there are folks out there that uh, certainly want to read your book. Uh, so let's guide them to where they can uh, get their hands on it. Uh, but also they may want to connect with you directly. So would love it if you could uh, share that information. Certainly. The the easiest way to find the book is overcomingtheimposter.com. Uh, and you can buy it directly from that website, or there are links there to all the major retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, independent bookshops have it. Uh, we've tried to get it into as many channels as possible. So you can order it from just about anywhere you prefer to order books. Um, but overcomingtheimposter.com is the website where you can read about the book and find out more information. Um, and I am, uh, you can find out about me there as well, but I'm also at chriskelso.com and that's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S-K-E-L-S-O.com. You can read about my coaching, some of the leadership development work I do there and, uh, and my keynote uh, speaking. So yeah, would love to hear from people. I especially love to hear from folks who have read the book and, uh, and who will share with me how it has changed their thinking and, uh, and ultimately changed the trajectory of their career. Chris Kelso, Overcoming the Imposter is the book, folks. Uh, and Chris is with the Kelso Group. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for being with us. John, it's been great. I really appreciate the time, and uh, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Uh, folks, just a quick reminder that if you've got some task in your business that you're spending way too much time on, uh, you've got administrative task, bookkeeping, uh, maybe some marketing things that need to be done that really as the owner and the kind of the chief salesperson of a business, you really shouldn't be doing. Um, 
I've got some advice for you that involves going to officeangels.us if you're timid. But if you really need the help now, call 770-442-9246 and SES Cabido, who's the chief executive angel there, will pick up the phone. And uh, SES a friend of mine, but I also use her services. And she's terrific because she has a whole team of angels that uh, she will deploy to uh, attack the problem you've got. So give her a call, explain what your issue is, and uh, she'll uh, match you up with the best angel for you. And she works virtually, and she's done this for 20 years, and she works with folks all over the country. And uh, she's got uh, a business that fits a pandemic perfectly. So whatever you need, you've got she can handle. Um, uh, so give her a call 770-442-9246. SES Cabido is her name and, uh, tell her that we sent her, sent you. Um, and just folks, just another quick reminder, you can find this show on the business radio X platform, businessradiox.com, And, uh, we would love it if you would, uh, Go and give us a great review on your favorite podcast app because it helps folks find the show. And it's not about us. It's about the great guests we have, guests like Chris, and uh, it helps folks find the show that they may need uh, to read about that book or read or find out about the services that our guests offer. So we would love it if you would do that. So, folks, uh, uh, again, Chris Kelso, Overcoming the Imposter. Uh, go check him out. and. Um, Uh, Chris, thanks again for being with us. And for Chris Kelso, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on Business Leaders Radio.